Welcome to episode 180 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day. I mean, it's it's Hump Day. Regardless, we always do Hump Day, oh, but you know, you man. never say it. So. It is like the humpiest Hump Day. Hump day. Uh, like it, it is. It got like w- just warm enough to like like I'd open up all the windows mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the house. It was just a little breezy. It was gloomy, a little drizzly today. Yep. Oh man! Like when four thirty hit, I clock out mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "All right, I got to get ready to go over to Rob's." And then I just like slumped over on my bed, and I was like, "I need to take a nap." <laughs> <laughs> Hello to everybody in live chat. We appreciate you all being there, and to you uh, listening on uh, MixLR, we appreciate you listening there as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Hello, uh, everybody. And for those of you who are not who are listening to this recorded uh, sometime either later tonight or tomorrow, welcome. Uh, uh, speaking of recording, actually, yes. so real quick announcement before we get into the uh, the main thrust of our of our show tonight. Yes. Uh, so uh, Rob will be out of town next Wednesday. Yes. Uh, and so we are pre-recording the show. There will be no live chat. Uh, let's see here. That's uh, today's the twelfth. That will be the nineteenth. Yes, that sounds correct. Yeah, there'll yes. be no no live chat October nineteenth. Um, but the show will come out as normal. Yep, you guys will get the live show. Uh, we'll do the the scheduling on that so that it comes out during the live show time. So the show will be available when you would like to listen to it. Absolutely. So if you have questions, comments, or things you want to add to that show, we are going to announce that obviously at the end of this show there will be still the standard listing that goes out for those questions. Uh, and Sarah and I will be trying to record it a little later. So if you guys want to try and squeeze some questions in. Uh, we'll be able to take those up until this weekend. Yeah, probably this weekend, yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get that going. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see. I, I will see you all in live chat, uh, not next week, but the week after. So uh, the, God, what is that, the 26th? Something right? that, yeah. Yeah, so I will be back. I'm actually flying back that day. So oh, goodness. Um, I'm okay. going to go see a friend uh, in Florida who is was unaffected. I will say mostly unaffected by the storms. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, everyone's affected down there, and it sucks. And I feel for every one of our listeners who are down there and dealing with that. I know there are still some people who don't have power. I know there are some people who don't have internet. Uh, it's been kind of chaotic, and uh, I, I don't envy those situations. Uh, coming from a state that in the middle of winter we could lose power for uh, you know a week at a time uh, in the dead of cold, uh, I, I know what it feels like to be without in, in a dire situation, uh, and it sucks. Uh, and uh, so I feel for you. I hope you all are doing well, uh, and I hope that this, if you are listening to it, gives you a little sense of calm and normalcy amongst all of that so here here i have nothing to add so that being said it is the second wednesday of the month and we do system spotlights on second wednesday that of the month. means system spotlight time now that being said i saw this one come up actually our our marketing person uh sam was very nice enough to uh like research a bunch <clears throat> of games very lightly like some ideas for us mm-hmm. and this showed up in the list uh this arc doom and uh uh, I, I my first glance across, I was like, I was looking at the descriptions and saw that there like has an actual doom clock, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And my initial thought was either this is going to be amazing or this is going to be tragic. Like it's going to show us everything we don't need to do with the doom clock. Right, right. Because right. I've seen some game systems that are like one page, two page game systems that are incredible, 
and I've seen some indie games that are like 60 pages to 170 pages that are like, I'm not going to say hot garbage, but are definitely like written with one specific specific mechanic in mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's I think it's great. All systems will teach you something new, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll learn a new mechanic that's unique and different. And I think that's great. And this, when I stepped into it, I smiled. And I kept smiling the more I looked at it and the more I examined it because there was definitely things to learn and some wonderful things that I'm so happy the indie community uh, of writers are helping push to the forefront of storytelling and tabletop RPGs. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to dive into this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what was your impression initially, like seeing it in the docket and then kind of stepping into it? Well, I, 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 so I had not heard anything about it. Um, right. You assured me that it was a cool, that it was a cool little mini game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or sorry, indie, indie, indie game is what I'm going to say. A cool little indie game. Um, and that you were really excited about it. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I take your recommendations very highly. Um, any any friend of yours is a friend of mine. And, <laughs> nice. Uh, any system that you say you like, I'm. It's, our tastes are similar enough. I will take that recommendation exactly as it is. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I was excited to jump into it because you were excited to jump into it. Yeah. But yeah. N- utterly blind going mm-hmm. in. Um and, uh, I think I was like at the the moment I opened the cover mm-hmm. of this book, I was like, oh wow, the design. Mm-hmm. You know. The, um, the aesthetic of just the art. Yeah, the, and, the, and, the art, and, the layout, the the typography. Yeah, it is um, unique. The flow, the the flow of the book. I mean, every every page in this book is a bit of a work of art. Yeah, very. I would agree with that statement. I think all hands that went on deck to making the physical PDF and book did a wonderful job of making something that was unique and beautiful all mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, and it's it's not like like you look at something that is crafted art like some of the D and D books are crafted art. It looks old world. There's sketch pieces. There's like sketch art of of landscapes and intricate like you know clockwork pieces amongst this scrawling text and formatting that is that fits mm-hmm. and is framed in a specific way to make it feel like a tome. This d- is like a cross between. A, a dream, a fantasy, and a comic book. Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. And and it, it fits. It helps you lock into what the mentality is being pushed out by this. Um, I, I actually disagree with you. You don't think so? I, I disagree with you on that. I think it's beautiful to behold, but I don't think... I, I actually had a problem with the art direction in the book pulling me in a separate direction from, I think, the type of story it was trying to sell me. Well, let's get into it. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap we'll, to, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I remember you talking about this. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, that, yeah, so. yeah. All right. All right. So we are talking about Arc Doom by Mamedos. Mamedos. I, I, we hope we're doing that justice. I, th- I think it's tomatoes with an M. I think it's Mamedos. Yeah. I, in the live play, I, I think I heard that right as well. Yes. So, um, been designing games since 2019. Uh, first one was a card game that used post-it notes. Now that is that calls to my heart. Like right, right, I right. worked on the like I've I've had a small game that I've been working on that was a tabletop game that I still have these weird cards that I made for and like it's all, all papers. Oh, and I things. remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's still in a box upstairs. Game, yeah. yeah, 
But so I, I totally feel that. Um, I think everybody kind of starts out with something with where you're you're smashing together a game using things. You oh, know? sure, 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 sure. It harkens back to uh, cheap ass games that I used oh, to yeah. play in college. Like, uh, yeah. I remember having like Kill Doctor Lucky yep. and yep. Uh, yep. Uh, a couple other games, and I can't remember what they are. But no, super cheap ass games. Yeah, 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 yeah. All you needed was like a D six. But before and... I kill you, Mister Bond was another yes, one. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yep. God, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to say that uh, Matt, the Mad Elf is probably laughing right now because he's probably has a, a folder somewhere with a bunch of these in it. Oh, so, probably, yeah. Uh, but uh, it was kickstarted in 23 minutes. I want to say it had like uh, 2,500 or, or, or something close to that backers when it uh, closed. Um, but it hit all its goals and, and did great. Um, Exalted Funeral was the one who actually produced it mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, with uh, Mimados. Uh, and Polygon marked it as one of the best indie TTRPGs of 2021, and I thought all of those are high marks to hit. Yeah, like if you if you hit it through those, great job on the way going out the gate. The question is, is what is it? Where does it sit now? I like doing book teardowns at the beginning to kind of give a feel, uh, since since you don't normally go and grab that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the core book is 172 digital pages. There is no setting. There's just an expectation and a mind frame set uh, by the way it's designed. Um, it goes right into creation and mechanics. Like, it does not stop. It does not pause. It gives you maybe a page and a bit of art. Yeah, since since it is setting agnostic, mm-hmm. um, it is, I mean, it doesn't have any world building to do, so it jumps right into the mechanics. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, in live chat, uh, Overwatch, did someone say Ark Doom? No, we're not talking about dinosaurs and Doom Guy. Although, <laughs> it is exceptionally hard to search for Ark Doom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, it really does want it to be ARK Doom, uh, but it's ARC. Um, the uh, There is literally a 20-plus page section on how to run the game, mm-hmm. how it breaks down components of that. Um, and uh, um, and then it's 123 pages until they hit their appendix. And their appendix are characters, sample seams, how to do checks, conflicts, the doom, and a whole section on monsters. Yep. Um, there was really good edit direction for the way, like you were saying, with the way that highlighting and bolding draw your eye to what's important. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I usually have a hard time with reading uh, blocks of text because I'm dyslexic. I will read it, but my comprehension will switch things around as I'm going through it. Yeah. This took all of that away. There were like literally, a, I want to say on like the second or third page. It, I think I think it was page fifteen is what yeah. we looked at. So if you're looking at the, if you if you get the PDF, it's page fifteen. There are like seven s- fonts, seven fonts, four styles, and like three colors for one little block of text. Yeah. But it tells so much in that. Yeah. It breaks it apart in yeah. such a way that it 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 gives you it, it cuts back the examination and just pour like I I don't know if this book pours it into your eye what's important. It like it kind of does. I mean so, it, it there there's uh like you'll find in in any you know sort of block attacks like it where it's like you know uh you need to roll two d six and compare that to your aspect or something like right, that right. you know just to throw out some some words right um and you will find like the two d six is highlighted in yellow right you know so that you immediately see where's the die roll boom it's right there you literally can't right. miss it you know right. and then like the word aspect will be like bolded and capital in a different font in a different font so it, you all of your keywords all the important information in basically every single block of text in the entire book 
is formatted in such a way that you can skim it super easy and find the the one or two mechanics you're looking for mm-hmm. and pull those right out. And it's 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 still comparative as you move through the book you'll always know that a mechanic that involves dice or a physical action is under this type of a highlight. Yep. Anything that is a comparative word that you should know that's an action is done a certain way in a certain font. Yeah, so they, there's an internal is, consistency. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even the monsters, when you're looking at their stat blocks, the important parts of the stat block are highlighted differently than the other blocks, so you know what the raised stats are versus the fallen stats. Yep. And it's like... That's simple things yeah. that are beautiful direction to yeah. help you quickly go through something that feels monotonous and break it down to make it be like, okay, I can see what I need out of this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, beyond this, the arc-rpg.com, that's arc-rpg.com, has a quick start that you can get for free. Mm-hmm. It has Roll20 integration, Discord integration, random story generation, character sheets both online that are fillable and printable, and Doom and Omen sheets, which are part of the game. Now, to help keep better track of Doom clock, basically. Plus, there's there's the random story generator, and on on the the, uh, uh, Mamato's itch.io page, are additional prompts, like 300 more. Oh, wow. It's it, like just goes on from there. So if you want resources, you have resources. Yeah. Um. So for a indie game, this thing is packed with resources. Yeah, absolutely. And it all feels really accessible, mm-hmm. like really accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It is, like you said, setting agnostic. Yeah. Um, um, now, they, they, they do note in the game that it works best with fantasy. I could agree with that. High fantasy at that. Uh, yeah, high fantasy. Um, I, like, uh, recently, if anybody watched uh, Critical Role's um, uh, EXU Calamity mm-hmm. uh, uh, four-part four miniseries, um, like, this would have been brilliant to run Calamity in. Um, because there's a sense of magic, a sense of wonder, but also that, like, impending sense of disaster with the Doom Clock and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, it, it would have, I think, it, like, that's that's the tone I got from it. I I read through half this book and went, oh, wow, Calamity would have been amazing in this system. Yeah, it definitely has a, uh, like, um, the One Ring has magic as something dangerous mm-hmm. that causes world problems. It this system makes that magic look tame. Oh, it really in does. In some ways. It really does. Like if you had to do that in the one ring, like I feel like some of the one ring mechanics definitely need to have the rituals that are in this game for its magic to really make <laughs> it feel right. Because when we start talking about that, you're gonna be like, Oh. We'll we'll get there. We'll <laughs> but get we'll there. We'll get there. Um, um all right, so uh, the, it 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 can be adjusted uh, pretty easily for really just about any genre you're looking for. Yeah. Um, though we do talk about magic, M- magic is you know uh, uh, dis- indiscernible from you know high enough level of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could make it cyberware or you know programs if you're in a computer system or yeah. you know whatever. Like, oh wow, can you imagine running this as like a computer system that is on the verge of blue screening? Oh god, that'd actually be kind of cool. And you play programs inside the machine trying to avert it. Oh, that that okay. I had not considered that, but the more you say that, that makes a lot of sense. Just just thought of it as I said. Yeah. So, um, but like you could do that, you yeah. know, and your and your magic spells then become, you know, routines you can run. Yeah. I will say this though, and like you said, Doom is in the name. 
It is apocalyptic. The idea is that something apocalyptic is coming. Now, when we use those terms, we're not necessarily talking about, like, a meteor hitting the world or, you know, a, a bomb going off. Although all of those things are apocalyptic and fit. It is something so tragic that it is world-ending. And world-ending can be the characters and the NPCs in that space ending. So it could be, and they give the example, a wedding. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the setting is a wedding, and an apocalyptic event is going to happen. You're not sure, but something bad's going to happen at that wedding. Yeah. Right? Or just the act of the wedding. These two people do not belong together. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the biggest... You know, mistake ever. Mistake ever. Yeah. And the whole idea of that, of coming to some kind of a harsh point, mm-hmm. is the purpose of the doom, is the point to the doom. So, yes, you can run it in any setting. Yes, you can kind of alter the the trappings, but the and and the and the um the theme, if you will. But the point of the story is is that this is culminating to a point of Disaster. disastrous chaos. Disaster, that is, yes. That's going to end in, in terror. And it is going to tick to that mm-hmm. as a story goes. So as without resolving these, these subplots, these omens, to slow the clock, because they will help roll the clock forward, you will step to the end. And the end will be an end. Mm-hmm. Without that, that it and it keeps moving. Mm-hmm. That end keeps coming, um, and it it does create an air of desperation. Yeah, in real time. Yeah, because the doom clock in this game, and this is the clutch, is in real time. Yes, yes, it is per like hour or half hour. It it, it adjusts a little bit, and we'll get to it in a second. Um, uh, it adjusts a little bit depending on what what length of game you're playing. Right, but if you're playing a one shot four hour game every half hour that doom clock ticks and that's half hour real time yeah so breathe that in for a second storytellers a real live doom clock Mm-hmm. all right so let's step away from that for just a moment and talk a little bit about character creation all right so character creation is uh it's it actually reminded me a lot of cyberpunk red in okay. that you've got two avenues of character creation one is random, and right. one is essentially point by. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is a rules light system, so mm-hmm. character creation is very streamlined. You're just basically going to be assigning. Um, for those of you who are, are familiar with like a, some of Apocalypse World's offerings, mm-hmm. you know that level of stats. Like yeah. you've got four stats. You just assign a plus one to one of them and a minus one to another one, and mm-hmm. that's your character generation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's along those lines. So, uh. What you've got, your your two main things are your skills and your approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so very much like like Legend of the Five Rings, you don't have stats like strength, con- constitution, dexterity. You've got approaches, which are um, clever, careful, and... Guile? No, it starts with another C. Concerted. Concerted, that's right. Um, clever, careful, and concerted. Yep. And so depending on how you are going about doing the thing... Um, depends on which approach you're rolling. Right. So it doesn't matter how strong your character is, but if you are just going to walk up to someone and wallop them, mm-hmm. then that's going to be concerted because you're just going straight forward and meeting that thing head on. Now, if I sucker punch you, now I'm going to roll that same attack, but I'm rolling it with clever. 
mm-hmm. because I've sucker punched you, you see? Right. All right. So, um, character creation goes through a couple different phases. You start with your approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you can either put zero into one, plus one into one, and plus two into another. Pretty straightforward. Or you can roll a d6 and distribute that many points amongst your approaches. Okay. If okay. you want to do it the random way. Mm-hmm. Then you have what's called blood and guts. Ah. Sounds horrible, but it's really just health and willpower. Sure. But, I mean, hey, blood and guts, it's, uh, it it's sounds, a game about it, the apocalypse. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, you can either distribute six points in between the two of them, mm-hmm. or you can roll a d6 for each. Okay. And I think you can I think you can choose to do the randomness uh, each step. Like, sure. I don't think it's like you're locked in where you, you random the character all the way through, or you point by the character all the way through. So... I I don't think they make a decision in there because it isn't made. It, yeah, which I don't. Is great. I don't think it needs to be made. Yeah. Um, you then assign skill ranks. There are eighteen skills in the game, and mm-hmm. they're all very broken down and categorized, easy to understand skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you can either assign plus two to two of your skills and plus one to three of your skills, mm-hmm. or roll two d six. Um, and then kind of on a random chart, uh, there is it, it tells you which skill to assign which points to. Okay. Um, then there's, there's a step where you determine your inventory and this Mm -hmm. is kind of your equipment shopping thing, Yeah. but, um, it's very, uh, light and free. Okay. You have 30 points Mm -hmm. and everything is on a chart. Um, there are five charts in there. Damage and defense. This Mm -hmm. is going to be your weapons and armor. Yep. Supplies and sundries. Mm-hmm. This is what most D&D players, you know, will find, like, 50 feet of rope, a mirror, uh, a bedroll, mm-hmm. like, useful items that, right. that that have a defined purpose to them. There's one called oddities and valuables, and this okay. is just stuff that I kind of defined as stuff you might find in a curio shop. Okay. It's like a glass jar filled with human teeth. Okay. <laughs> you know, a live chicken. Okay. Uh, you know, a a cluster of phoenix feathers. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. What do you use that for? I don't know, but I've got one. Yeah. You know? I have a holocaust cloak. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That sort of stuff. Um and then there are there's a there's a chart for spells. Mm-hmm. And there's a uh, a chart for techniques which are I'll be honest with you, I did not in the time in the limited time reading I had uh, for this for the system understand what the functional difference between spells and techniques were. I think the difference is, from what I was discerning, the difference is one is a one is something that breaks reality to create. To, the spells are basically reality breaking or reality generating, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is something that is internal. It, a technique is something that comes from the character. Okay, that's the way I kind of read it. Yeah. Okay. I'll, so. I'll give you that. Uh, all but right. they function much the same. Yeah, yeah, they they function they function all uh, veritably identically. Yeah. Um. So again, you can you can either spend thirty points, uh, and there are like essentially numbers next to each each item. Mm-hmm. Um. And it so presumably it goes up in cost as you go down the the list. Um. And this is especially true for like the spells and stuff. Um. So like your the number one on your spell list is going to be an extraordinarily weak thing, but then as you get down to the bottom, there's like a 24-point spell. Oh, jeez. And you have 30 points for your beginning budget, so that should tell you something about, you know... <laughs> importance how, how How important and powerful that spell is. Right. Um, or you can roll essentially 12d6 
worth of gear, uh, gear on the chart randomly. Interesting. Um, in up to three d six batches. Oh, so one d six, two d six, or three d six. Each time you roll, you just decide until you have rolled a total of twelve d six. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, there's one or two other ways that like they, they're like they give a couple all other alternate methods, but that's the first one that they had on there. You know, for a for a, uh, and I'm just gonna pause for just a second here before we keep going with these because I think the next one is interesting. But like that right there is a great way to start a campaign of lost. Like you're dumped somewhere. Uh huh. You know, your ship crashed, and you're finding what's left. What do I in have in room. my pockets? Well, you have a jar of teeth. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's useful out of the yeah. out of the out of the chaos that is left over from yeah. this this grand caravan of people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, one of the cool things about this too, because um, and this is what I was like, what was in the back of my head this whole time. I'm thinking randomly rolling your characters, because what is the big problem with randomly rolling a character? Shit rolls. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's literally it. So you you know if you point by you know you're balanced with everybody else who point buys, but if you have crap rolls, well then you're just subpar. And the game actively makes up for that in this inventory stage, mm-hmm. um, where if your random rolls were bad, and this is per one of these you qualify for. So if for instance your approach, if the sum of your approaches is one, is one, you get nine extra points. Or three extra d6 if you're doing the random rolls right. for your for inventory. Okay? And your blood and guts are less than three? Less than or equal to three? Less than or equal to three. You also get another nine points or three d6 dice. Yep. Or if the sum of your skill ranks is equal to or, or less than four. That's a lot. You get a yeah. lot of inventory. Yeah, you do. You get a lot of inventory to make up for the fact that you just have no appreciable skills and are terrible at approaching everything. That's neat. Yeah. That's neat. Okay. Uh, and then the last bit, and this is the part that I know you love. I love, I you, love this part. And, and I loved how this mechanic played out, okay? Yeah. The last thing you do in your group is you create bonds. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen bonds in other game systems. Yes. Um, And uh, usually they're like, okay, well, you know, come up with a thing you like about the person to your left and you owe a debt to the person to your right, you know, and you come up with these little story hooks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They're not necessarily stopping you from doing that, but bonds are a mechanical thing in this game. And you choose one other person at the table um, and you have a, uh, well, okay, I'm going to get to this first. You have two bonds. You start with bonds of two people. There are two different types of bonds. There's minor bonds and major bonds. Now, I want you all to envision a square. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, I want you to divide that square into four equal pieces. It looks like a, like a, like a four-square court, if you've ever played one of those. Right. I don't know if those are still around or not, but they, they were might when be. I was in elementary school. Um, but anyway, so four squares that make up a bigger square, four quadrants. Okay? Mm-hmm. The little boxes are minor bonds. If you fill in all four, you have therefore filled in the whole square, the whole big square, and that is a major bond. Mm -hmm. You can have up to three points in major bonds to another player, to to another character. Mm -hmm. Okay, You start with uh, one ally at the table. You have six minor bonds, which equates to one major and half of another. Right. And a, a second ally, you start with three minor bonds, which is three of one of the bigger squares. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, how these play out mechanically for you is that you can um, 
use your bonds to assist others, basically just giving them bonuses flat up equal yeah. to your major your major bonds. You can also burn your minor bonds if you want. Just erase one of the squares, which may lose you a major bond. Right. Um. And allow that person to re-roll. Okay. Any roll. Okay. Uh. And then there's ways that you you earn those and you can build those up during during gameplay. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but at this point in in during character creation, the last thing you do is you create your bonds to two other players at the at the, at the table, mm -hmm. and you put those into uh, onto your character sheet. Yeah, in the gameplay functionality of it, it gets really neat. It really and, does, and alters as the game goes because you can you you don't. I would say that you don't gain bonds like you normally would in other games yeah but i think it makes more sense i i think with the way the bonds work and i would love this is one of those mechanics that once we get to it and we start explaining what it is i could see this added to another system easily 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 yeah and and make role-playing mean something God, i i almost want to add it to my savage Worlds you game. should honestly almost you should again we we apologize for pausing at this but when we find really cool things like this it makes us just want to talk a lot more about them. You know, I I will. I'm gonna bring this up next game. You I'm should bring this up. Next you should game bring this up I, this I, game. I like we'll really have cool. to break down how all the functionality of it. But I think it'd be a really great idea. Honestly, at this scale of numbers, I think it works perfectly in Savage Worlds because a plus one is exactly what you're looking for. Like, and a plus two is massive in Savage Worlds. Oh yeah, but also like how you get them. Like, I accept an inconvenience. No, I think it's perfect. That's, I think it's perfect. It gets me. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right, right, I'm sorry. 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 Right, sorry. So let's take a moment into advancement. All right. Advancement is uh, pretty straightforward, honestly. It's a point system, and then you use those points to buy advancements. But what's interesting is it's in real time. It's in real time. So you gain three XP for each real time hour played. Or if you're playing a long game that's going to be longer than four sessions, it's just a flat 12 XP per game. Yeah. But, like, that makes sense. You're there, you get XP, you're you're in the story, yep. the story is moving. And they do note that XP becomes uh, uh, um, available immediately. Yeah, so you can just immediately get approaches or raise your skills or your blood and guts yep. as you go. Yep. Yep, so, and it moves on. All right, so. Into the simplicity of the mechanics. Mechanics. Because literally, the mechanics don't take long to learn. They don't. They don't. This is it's, it looks super simple. Barely an inconvenience. It's, okay, so you've got skills, you've got approaches. So like I, I, I gave that example earlier of if I'm going to walk up and punch you square in the nose, mm -hmm. that is a concerted plus uh, I forgot what their actual like brawl skill is. But sure, sure. I'm going to call it brawl. I know that's not the right term, the right term for it, but I'm going to call it brawl. Sure. Um, so it would be like a concerted plus brawl. Okay, so. Um, once you've determined what your skill and what your approach is for what you're trying to do, you add those two things together. Say I have one in Brawl and two in Concerted. Okay? That makes three. That is my target number. I roll 1d6, and I'm trying to get under my target number. Or right. threshold number. I'm sorry. TN is threshold number. Um, now... If uh, and that that's because like your your higher approach your higher skill will add together to a much higher number ergo mm -hmm. you want to roll low under it it's uh very, GURPS people know this yes um so I'm trying to roll low at this point um if I roll under it I succeed mm -hmm. if I roll over it 
I fail. If I roll exactly the number I'm looking for, I can choose mm -hmm. either a success with consequence or a failure with opportunity. Which I think is great. Exactly. I think that's a, a great way of looking at it. Uh, I think if you roll a one, um, I didn't put it here on the sheet, but there, but that's basically considered a critical success. Yes. And you are allowed to succeed and create opportunity mm -hmm. off of that. Now, I'm going to say one thing about this, and this is I don't want this to be confused. Sure. When we're talking about the st like making your approach and your skill check, it's not like creative, careful, and concerted is the framework. Mm -hmm. It's a combination. So, for instance, if I'm doing a social skill and I am... You know, uh, let's. I'm. I'm attempting to communicate. I'm attempting to bypass a guard. Mm -hmm. My approach to that will, could use any one of those. I could use concerted, which I might intimidate or enforce or invade. Yes. Okay. Those are literally the social skills that sit underneath that. Just as easily, I could use careful in my social skills and attempt to reason, or detail, or guide myself around it. Mm -hmm. You know. So. Don't think of them as hard and fast. It's always a combination to create the point of reference. Yes. yes. Um, so it's not like everything can boil down to creative, careful, or concerted. That's not how that works. It is always a tree that puts those two together. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I just, I, going from like a and d or Pathfinder or something where it's like you have your base attributes and then you have these. No, no. It's not, there's nothing that boils down to the base. Right, 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 right. Yes. It's, it's always very specific to what the narrative calls for. Right. And there's nothing that says that your character isn't really just concerted. Mm -hmm. Like they do everything with a concertedness. Sure. Sure. So like, yeah, you're attempting to to do you're you're attempting to to figure out knowledge about something you might just really try and recall it but you have no knowledge of this mm -hmm. you know and that's great like that's what a big lunk might do yeah. you know um so that's that's the key difference there uh in in the way that you think so you when you're making your character you're having to look through all of the crossover points to figure out the what really is how your character presses but it does make it very easily, it, very easy for you when you're developing a character to say, is my character more careful or more creative or more concerted when it comes to these areas like knowledge, social, physical, pragmatic? Mm -hmm. You know, they might be concerted in their physicalness, but they might be very careful in their social and they might be very creative in their knowledge. Yeah. And that's why you mix your points in different areas. Mm -hmm. So... You don't end up with a big dumb stick that only does one thing. I mean, you can definitely do that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. It can make for very dynamic characters. Yeah, because because it opens up a lot of avenues to everybody. Like, um, everybody feels like able to do everything because nobody has like, oh, well, I'm the high strength character, so I have to hit things. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Knox on the box in the live chat asks. Um, so if you hit the acceptable difficulty point, it's not really a success. It's a balanced success or a balanced failure, like 50-50, or you choose the 60-40 split. Um, kind of. So you've got two thresholds. Um, uh, I, I don't suppose we define these very well, so thank you for asking. Um, so you've got uh, success with consequence or failure with opportunity on a tie. Mm -hmm. um, now, success with consequence is going to be something like, um, I was able to climb up the rock but my backpack slipped off while we were while, while I was climbing up here. So unless I climb down and get it, while I am up here, I'm not going to have access to my inventory. 
Right, right. Okay. Or, um, like, op- or failure with opportunity might be something like uh, we tried to persuade the, ki- the, the queen to give us um, resources for our quest. Um, she said no, but she liked the cut of our jib, and she's going to, uh, you know, allow us to stay in, the, stay in the palace for a little bit or something like that. Or she at least wants to see us at dinner tonight. Yeah. You know, which might afford us a different opportunity. Yeah, but I think the the key here is the number spread that we're dealing with. So, for instance, in most cases, your TN for success is just below your skill. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a 1, a 2, or a 3 in most cases. Most cases, yeah. So it's either going to be a 1 in which you re-roll a d6 to see if you get another 1 and make it flawless, mm-hmm. or it's a success. You get a 2, which is success, or you get a 3, which is the TN, and now you have a balance point. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there are always successes that are just successes. Great. But the likelihood that there's something closer is much tighter. Yeah. To yeah. to create that, that sense of, of change and fate that can occur. So now keeping in mind there's there's a couple things that kind of modify this uh this thing here. Um so there's you know, obviously if a if a task is considered easier or harder, mm-hmm. um the uh, uh the storyteller may modify that with a you know plus one um to the T N or maybe a minus one or as much as a minus two if it's considered obscenely difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um and the other thing you can do is uh, you can upgrade the outcome of your die roll by spending either three blood or three guts. Mm-hmm. And you can upgrade a tie to a success or a failure to a tie. Yep. Uh, and, of course, you have to kind of narrate how, you know, you're throwing extra extra willpower or possibly extra, you know, extra strain of your body mm-hmm. into, you know, into doing that. That cost you the three blood or the three guts. But... But yeah, you can you can push a little harder and just tip the scale a little bit. Yeah, which is what ideally you want if you want the story to have other outcomes. If you want to keep pressing into things and creating yep. opportunities. Yep. And I want to point this mechanic out very specifically here because this is what leans that there's little there's little aspects of the rules that subtly lean into the idea of sacrificing. Mhm of personal sacrifice to make your 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 outcomes happen because the apocalypse is coming and we need to put it all on the line. Yes. We need to go all in because there there might not be a tomorrow, you know. And it's this little thing of like spending three blood or three guts to just tip the scale a little bit for you that just takes that little bite out of your character but might get you the success you needed. Yeah, and you you can recover blood and guts, but it use it deals with doing in-game time. Yep. Spending in-game time, which may be very costly. Maybe very costly. You may not have that time. Yeah. Doing short rest and long rest in game is like a a one in a one story hour or a long rest which is a ten uh in story hour. And five real time minutes. Correct. You literally take a break you, during you, long rest. Yeah. Yeah, yep. there's there's a lot of costs to in real time as well in this game, yep. which again is a cost that is added into the overall time. And keep in mind, five minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but that is one sixth of a doom clock tick in uh, yeah uh, in 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 a in a one shot. Yeah, and there's some mechanics in here we'll get to with yep. the rituals and stuff that really affect things. 
so one of the other things too, too we've got bonds. Mm-hmm. Bonds are another way you're going to affect all these die rolls. Um, like kind of like I mentioned earlier, uh, you've got your major and your minor bonds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are functional measurements of your ties to the other characters. Uh, now major bonds, you can have one, two, or three with another character. Um, and they can just be used to, uh, if you assist that ally, you just add that to their to their TN mm-hmm. for whatever they're trying to do. Because you've got that level of synchronicity with them that you're able to to affect them in that way. Um, and it doesn't really cost anything to do that either. You can just do that. Um, now, minor bonds, like I said earlier, can be spent to allow that ally to re-roll. Mm-hmm. But again, you are spending them not applying them right so you're actually burning a little bit of fate a little bit of favor with with that person to to get them to re-roll like that um now how you earn bonds other Mm -hmm. than just a character creation uh i really like this so basically you know taking on hardships or making sacrifices for that particular ally putting yourself out Mm -hmm. so that they can be convenienced by it yeah, uh, um, giving them something helpful that they need. Yep. Uh, standing in, for, you know, taking a hit for them. Yep. Um, coming, coming to their assistance. Yeah. Whether it's socially or physically. So just little small things are going to add one minor mm-hmm. up to that first major bond. Yep. Okay. So small things no longer count after you've got one major bond with them. Yep. Okay. After that, it becomes more serious things like accepting harm or a risk Mm -hmm. you know someone is about to get hit by somebody big and you shove them out of the way and take the hit yeah like uh someone is about to be put down or or said uh that they're the criminal and you step forward and say it was me that one might that one might count as something a little bit bigger but if you're going to jail that might be a serious risk. It, yeah, it, it depends. It depends. It depends on the story. But um, significant things like this can add to, up to two minor. We'll add two minor bonds. Yeah. Up to two, your second major bond. Yeah. Okay. The only way to get your third major bond point is a life-altering, like ultimate sacrifice, sort uh, of often fatal, often fatal. Yeah, or or see, or potentially fatal at mm-hmm. least. Um, in nature that will get you that third bond. Yeah. Which, that right there, I love the way those mechanics function. Mm-hmm. I think that is great, because you will, you will burn bonds and get bonds back just through role-play and decision-making. Yep. And that's a fantastic mechanic. It is a fantastic mechanic, yeah. Yeah. It I, Again, I, I feel like this right here could be a transpos- transposed into many games. Yeah, yeah, very easily. Very and easy. and watch people become way more creative and and complementary and assistive yeah. to the rest of the group. And and you you talked about taking a hit for somebody because the next thing we're going to talk about is is, is conflict. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I wrote it as combat here, but it should be it should be conflict. Yeah. Um. In in one of the ways you can earn bonds with people is uh, uh by standing your ground. Mm-hmm. And at you in uh, standing your ground is kind of like taking the defend action or the dodge mm-hmm. action in a lot of other games where, you know, you get a defense bonus. Um, however, it also affects other allies that are, like, basically within, like, 12 feet of you. Mm-hmm. Um, they call it, like, heights. But mm-hmm. basically, height height is, like, five or six feet. So it's, right, right. it's like, uh, two, you know, you're up to, like, 10, 10 to 12 feet or so. Right. Um, 
every attack that gets foiled while you're on the defense, for you or any ally around you, gains you one bond with that person. Yep. Uh, one one minor bond with uh uh, uh with those around you, up to your first major. And that's not physical combat. That's all conflict. Yeah. So if I'm at a, we're at a social event. Yep. I can take a very defensive posture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it emboldens the rest of the people around me and sees me. They all see me differently we've because all, I'm not on the offensive. We've all seen that move where um the the harpy at the uh at the party mm-hmm. wants to go and socially eviscerate somebody yeah and they go striding across the floor with their glass of champagne in hand and just as they're about to talk someone blindsides them oh you're here hello how are Just you monotonous rag- average conversation draws them oh you, you can go and kind of dismisses their friend and their friend is like what i go on run along and utterly tanks that social hit of right. distracting the harpy and dismissing the person who they were about to set upon, you know? Right, right. Like, that's that's social tanking right there. Yeah. That's yeah. the standing your ground action, and you've just defended your ally. Yep, yep. And also, not stepping into things. I dare say Percy did this at the, at the first time that he saw in Critical Rule, uh, when they're sitting at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. He tanked hard, and everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knew it. Yeah. And it's those kind of moments where, like, you want to eviscerate somebody at the table, probably in a physical way. Mm -hmm. But instead, you make the choice to stand your ground and be the better person. Yep. Um, On the other hand, you can harm others. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, how how conflict goes is you have um, uh, basically five different options you can do. And initiative order actually goes in order of these options. Yes. Um, so you've almost got like five different initiative tracks. The, the, he- you don't roll for initiative. Heroes always go first, unless you've been ambushed, in which case your aggressors always go first. Um, it's just that simple. Right. But it's per round or it's per, it's per stage, I suppose. Right. right? So the first stage is anybody who's standing their ground mm-hmm. goes first. You make those declarations. I'm standing my ground. Okay, cool. Next, anybody trying to harm others. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Damage is very simple in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to make a uh, an attack roll using you know whatever the applicable attack skill is, plus your approach, mm-hmm. um, and your weapon damage. If you succeed in that, is going to be uh, the TN of your um, of your attack, plus any bonus what damage your weapon is going to give you. Mm-hmm. Now, defense lowers the TN, so it actually makes it harder to hit. But it also, because the base damage is your TN, acts as damage reduction. Okay. So if I've got plus two armor, I am. you need to roll two higher than you normally would. If you were normally rolling a three, you now need to roll a one. Right. And you only do one damage. Right. You know, so armor armor kind of pulls double duty, and it's very powerful in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, your damage is you know, your TN plus any bonus damage from your weapon. So I might, I might actually hit you with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only doing one damage base, but if I've got a plus two weapon, I'm now doing three damage to you. Right. And that goes to either your blood or your guts, mm-hmm. depending on the situation. Yep. physically hitting you or if I'm just trying to socially tax you. Right. Uh, you've got non-harmful actions that come after, after your harmful ones. Mm-hmm. And these are going to be things like assisting with a skill. 
um, you're going to make your own skill roll, and if that succeeds, you add your skills value to the ally you were assisting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can assist with a bond, yep. in which case you just add your bond to that mm-hmm. person. Yep. Or you can do something else. Yep. You know, flipping a switch, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever. Stealing something, picking something up. Something that's non-harmful, non-aggressive, right. but is going to take place during that combat. Yep. Um, it's kind of a junk drawer sort of uh, thing. Then you've got spells and techniques. Those come after basically everything else. Yep. Um, and I thought this was neat because spells coming last in the initiative order kind of acts as a casting time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um. And what happens is each time you're attacked before your turn comes up, you need to succeed on a one die six roll or you lose the spell. The difficulty starts at six the first time you're attacked and then each subsequent time it gets one lower. Mm-hmm. Now, if you do fail, you don't get to cast the spell or use the uh, use the uh, uh, the technique, but you don't lose it. Right. Um, you just can't cast it that turn. Yeah, it's not burned. Right. So it does incentivize you to, like, kind of distract your enemies if they are trying to pull a spell. And like we said about spells, they tend to be pretty powerful. We'll get to those. They're dangerous. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you either make your roll or you are not required to roll because nobody has, uh, has aggressed upon you, then you get to do your spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last step is move far. Essentially, if you are just trying to, uh, in D&D, we call this taking the dash action. Mm-hmm. If you're just trying to double move, and you can move, I think they said up to five heights. So, um, you know, five five squares, five five foot moves. Right. You know, uh, twenty five to thirty feet essentially. Yeah, it's it 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 creates for a chase kind of effect, but at the same time, your movement is after everything. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, we talked about damage. Um, now, when you uh, your damage goes to your uh, blood or guts, what looks like whichever is applicable. Um, if you take damage beyond that, if you are at zero blood and you take physical damage, it hits your approaches instead. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like your last line of defense. That's where you essentially uh, crippled. Yes. Um, and uh, if you take damage when all of your approaches are zero. Uh, you die. That's just it for your character. Well, you choose if you die. Well, okay, yeah. Yeah, there's that. You want to talk about that a little? Uh, I mean, it's, we're technically here. Um, so, d- death is a choice in this game. And I feel that that's, that's an important thing that they put forth. Um, you get to choose when your character is done. Mm-hmm. If you do not choose to die, um, I'm looking up the mechanic real quick here because um, I remember it was it was interesting. Um, Instead, you go to Spoopy Town is what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if you choose life, uh, you become incapacitated and unconscious, but you revive after five minutes of real time and one in-story hour. Whichever comes, which whichever is most appropriate. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're just going to instantaneously come back uh, off the ground in the same same scene. Yeah, it's not a self res, right? But it would also deal with that. But then there is a consequence table. Yeah. So, and I'm not going to get into the high details of it, but like one of the things in the list is you may now speak with the dead. Yep. <laughs> or 
you no longer blink and must constantly apply water to your eyes. There are three pale women that speak in in in, in strange whispers that follow you around everywhere. Exactly. These, like, these it's it's spooky mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah. And I, I you and I'll, and I'll say you can. We're, we're, I'm just going to lightly cover this because I think the next step here is before we get into running the game is talking about them spells. Yeah. But like. That's the spoopy level that we're starting to get to. This is where the book starts to turn and remind you that this game is meant to feel like loss. Yeah. Now, right. when you get to the the spells, they sound cool until you recognize how you recover and get your spells back. Well, let me let me let me just phrase it like this because I I I I, I want to come back to something I said earlier. Yes. And that was about the tonal disparity between the art and the layout of this book and the type of story it was trying to get me to tell with it. And you said you really liked it. I said I had a little bit of a problem with it. And I want to say a little, little bit of a problem with it. I wasn't put out by it. But there was a moment where I felt like I was not... Like those two things were not going together for me, you know? They were incongruent. The artwork is beautiful, but at the same time, I feel like the artwork lends itself a little more towards, like, a uh, a fun and trendy, like, indie coffee shop. You know, I expected to see prices for, like, a caramel, you know, latte, uh, frappuccino, and a biscotti, rather than a list of spells that had horrible, horrible effects, you know? At the same, but but for me, I looked at this and saw that there was nothing that was, um, and I I'm trying to think of the word that I used at the time because I thought it was appropriate. There is definitely despair. There is definitely loss. There is definitely intrigue. There and is elation that is in the art, but you don't get uh, gross anger or assault. Or those types of things. There's yeah. There's there's nothing that shows a point of hard aggression. I agree. I agree. There's a there are fear. There's definitely fear in it. There's definitely uh, concern mm-hmm. in the art, and and there's and, something just a little off about some of the art in that yeah. sort of Lovecraftian sense. I will, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But nothing so much that it it makes your eye wonder about the page. Yeah. Not like repulse, spooky wonder. Yeah. Not edge of apocalypse is right. What I, you know, right. And I think that is to keep you in the mind frame of the characters who are stepping through it. Yeah, like Lovecraft is designed to turn your head and make you wonder if what you saw was what you believe you still have a mind to think about. Whereas this game is like, I'm still a hero and there's a chance, but more than likely I am going to fail. Uh, Knox in the box, I think, put it best in the live chat here. He says, it looks like YouTube recap artwork for a fantasy series that wobbles when it animates. <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. That, and it, I mean, it's a perfect description. I, I think it's a perfect description. But anyways, but anyways, description, anyways, anyways yeah. I don't want to dwell on this too right, long. So... But what, what I'm saying, though, is that my, my, my point is that when I read through the book, I got kind of lulled into a false sense of security about uh, and I was I was thinking of wonderful fantastic bright stories I could tell with these game mechanics mm-hmm. right and then I get to the spells section and it's like okay here's what all the spells do there are four levels of spells that it kind of talks about yeah you know you have like ones that are useful 
two that are highly useful and may be used in day-to-day -day or conflict, three that are critical and can be used to turn the tide, and four, which is ones that could possibly end the world. Yeah. Okay. Just just casually stating these things. So I looked up um like the healing spell in there and I forgot it's got a clever name to it, but I, I forgot what it was. Um and uh so to replenish your spells you not only need to take a long rest, but you need to do a ritual for each one of your spells that uh allows you to essentially get that spell back during the long rest. Lifebringer. Lifebringer, okay. You so or a creature you touch gains four blood and four guts. Very effective, highly useful. If I was a cleric, I'd be having this in my spell deck. Absolutely. Now, what ritual do you need to uh, complete, Rob, to get that spell back upon a long rest? Uh, I would need to, and I'm quoting this because I'm reading it directly off the book, consume at least one handful of humanoid flesh. Yep. Do you see a spell there called uh, Doom Pause? Uh, let me go back to it. Um... Let's see here. Where's there's compel? Uh, oh, it's 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 higher. That's right. That's right. It's farther down in here. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to that. Uh, is there a secret door? There's past the veil. Um, let me find one of these that is that is worse. So doom doom pause. Uh, I I will fill this one in for you. Um, doom pause. Uh, when cast, basically says the next time the doom clock will tick. Oh, that's right. It doesn't. Nothing yeah. happens. Right. Um, which is phenomenal. That is immense. You can literally stave off doom for, for a half hour or an oh, hour or something like It's that. a technique. That's why. It's oh, not a, oh, it's it's a, a spell. Okay, yeah, so doom, yes. doom pause. Now, what is the ritual to get doom pause replenished? You watch an ally die. Yeah. So you understand why I'm looking through this book and I'm thinking to myself of caramel, you know, frappuccinos, biscotti, and bright, nice tales of, of wonder and maybe a little creepiness, a little, that little edge of, of, of something mysterious and whimsical. And then I get here and it's like, watch an ally die and eat flesh. And I'm like, oh. Oh, that's right. This is a game about the apocalypse, and we are all going all in with earth-shattering magics because there might not be a tomorrow. So why not eat human flesh? I and and at the same time, just you know, at a level a little less than four, you've got like fluorescent transcendence for the next three real minutes or in game. Mm-hmm. You and your allies' spells and techniques are automatically enhanced. No guts reduction or skill checks required. That's oh, powerful that's as heck. That's really powerful, yeah. Right? The requirements are five guts and focus. It lasts for ten real minutes or three ticks instead if you do that. Mm -hmm. The ritual? Dance with a corpse. The way this feels for us is it, it feels like... <laughs> The art direction did definitely have one feel that is beautiful and it's a wonderful thing, but understand that this game is about characters who have come to the end of something. Yeah. Now, I will say that the book flat out reminds you it is a guide. Change what you want. There's nothing that says you couldn't change some of these rituals to be a little more respective to what you're in. If you're in a space game, you know, flying through space and your your magic and techniques are more tech-related, some of this may not make total sense, yeah. but you want that same weight. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you want to have like a spell, for instance, that that the effect is the target creature you see gains an instance of their of all their spells and techniques. So they're get they get it <laughs> right. The ritual normally says sleep inside a wooden box with a dead crow and a full length mirror for the next day. Bury the the box and its contents. Yeah. Right. What are you going to do in a sci-fi setting? That seems odd, right? But you're you're effectively juicing someone else up. Maybe you have to sit in cryo, right, mm-hmm. for a period of time, for a full day. Yep. You know, and and focus something. You know, to focus your energies to the, you know, uh, inner light of the universe. Sure, sure, sure. You know, for that period of time, well, well at the same time doing sacrificing two other things two benign things but the whole idea is is that your everything is a sacrifice Mm -hmm. that is the reoccurring feel is that there's always a sacrifice to have gains yep yep to to the the game is teaching you to have sacrifices reminding you that sacrifices have meaning you may have to cross some lines to avert the apocalypse not necessarily even moral lines yeah just personal ones where it's like I'm going to have to do this. Mm-hmm. And it should feel like that. Your bonds being burned should feel like that. Yep. Gaining bonds should feel like that. Yep. It should hurt. Yep. So in running this game, you have like a lot of different layers. And they do teach you early on that you could run it as a one shot or as a short run, like three stories or even as a campaign. Mm hmm. And it scales your your doom clock having so many ticks or, or, or having a total number of ticks and how those are ticks are timed, whether they're a half hour, whether they're an hour, mm-hmm. um, what your how your omens relate. Meaning if if they haven't completed these omens, these side quests, subplots, yeah. subplots, like they haven't closed those up, those omens carry weight for each one of those. They can uh, tick additional times. Dick go ahead and tick those moments away closer to doom yep yep so um, when when the uh when the doom clock when the doomsday clock ticks um for every omen that is still essentially unresolved mm-hmm. um and they typically suggest three but yes. if you're gonna play just like a one shot for like one night you can do two right uh to keep the game a little cleaner um and quicker uh but for every omen that is still kind of in play and unresolved by the players you roll an extra d6 mm-hmm. when when the, uh, the the doomsday clock ticks, and on a five or a six, it consumes an extra moment. Yeah, and your players know this; it's not hidden to them. Yep. They they everyone, have the chart right in front of them. Everyone sees it. Click to, closer to midnight. Yep. You know, and in that sense, it feels a lot like um, uh, what was it? Uh, not pestilence. Uh, pandemic. Pandemic. Where yeah. you've got a, a timer right there showing you how long it is until the world's. Uh, the Eldritch Horror board game by Fantasy Flight yeah. also also does that exact same yeah. thing. Where... So this brand, mm-hmm. um, it is setting, mm-hmm. um, it is setting, mm-hmm. um, it is setting, mm-hmm. um, it is setting agnostic, but it really does lend itself based on the magic and the tone and the feel of the rituals and spells to fantasy, to high fantasy at that. Yes, yes. Um, to uh, to worlds, and it could be contemporary. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be. Um, crazily and something else um but it definitely you want to have that sense of sacrifice be important and that timing be important mm-hmm. to the story 
So, uh, now you really raved over the DM section. I did. Uh, and I know the DM section is usually like you. I, I, I dive directly into the rules. Mm-hmm. You dive directly into the DM section. So, well, because uh, I want to know, like, if I'm a new DM, I might actually ignore the rules to see what I'm supposed to do as a DM in a game. Like, what's mm-hmm. my what's my cost? Yeah, absolutely. And when you start out a DM section with seven principles of how to run a game. Eight, actually. It's actually eight. <laughs> um, that are clear. Yeah. Short paragraph highlighted in bold in specific ways to remind you what they are that are literally the thing that you should do for every game you run. I don't care what system. Yeah. Yeah, these are these 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 seven, actually eight actually principles eight. are are 100% setting agnostic. They are yeah. game agnostic. You need to print these out and hand these to every single storyteller. Keep them, keep them at your, yeah. you know, crochet it, put it on your wall. And what I what I loved was was speaking of printing out and handing them to your players. Uh, principle zero actually suggests doing exactly that. Yeah. Um, and principle zero is be a respectful, compassionate human being. That's it. That's it. That's it. If somebody is uncomfortable at your table, address it because they are a person first and a player second. Yeah. The game sets to the side for being a compassionate human being. Exactly. If someone doesn't like something in the game, just be respectful. Change it. Change it. it. It's not that important. Right. Exactly. Effing game. Yeah. Get over yourself. Let your character be the hoity-toity. You be respectful. Yes. That's the difference there. And that's session. That's that's principle zero, which means it's assumed. Mm-hmm. So then we step into the principles, which we talk about all the time. Everyone's a player. Even that includes the storyteller. The storyteller. And the Don't. storyteller is in- entitled to fun. Everybody's entitled to fun as being yes. a player. The second one is the <laughs> hardest one, I think, for all of us, and that is let it go. Yep. You create beginnings. Do not obsess over endings. You create beginnings, and the story goes on. Do not obsess on the ending. And so the whole thing there is that you need to let things go. Now, to be honest, we all do this. Mm-hmm. We all have a vision of the story as writers, of how we think things will go, or how, or how we they want could, things to go. Or how they could go, and that would be really cool. Yeah. Let, Let it, go. it go. Next, player agency has meaning and significance. Yep. It's not just that they get to do what they want, but that what they're doing is important. What they're doing is how they're telling you that they are having fun. Yes. If your combat monster wants to go and punch things, clearly that's the aspect of the game they want to engage with. Right. You know. When someone literally dives into a sub-character or a subplot, they are going there because it has meaning to them, and it should have significance. Their actions should have significance. Things you can't have throwaways that your players are doing. Mm -hmm. They should always add significance to the game. Yep. Rulings over rules. If you make a decision about a rule or or how something goes, that's how it goes. Yep. Or, conversely, if the rules are getting in your way of having fun to, to adjudicate something in, a, in an interesting way that works for everybody, right. go with the ruling and not the rule. Yeah. I, I, I want to say that one thing that I saw that was really a really great description of this that somebody said and literally pulled the principle right out. They are like, principle four was someone said, I'm concerned about running this game because I believe because one of my players has a stutter mm-hmm. and is going to have a hard time under stress and stuff. 
how do I handle the timer with those types of players? That's an excellent question. And the answer is rulings over rules. Change the time. Yeah. Keep it as an important value, but just make it a little longer. Sure. You don't have to follow the edicts that are in this. Make it comfortable. Yes. If you feel the real-time clock needs to pause, the doom clock needs to pause so that everybody can have a break, take a damn break. Mm-hmm. Just take it easy. Stop the game. Whatever. Yep. Do what you need to to be comfortable and having a good time. Yep. And check with your players about that. And that's the next principle. Simply communicate. On a oh, constant level. God, we say this all the time. Yep, we do. We do. And I think one of the things about that is, as the storyteller, it doesn't say to keep a clock running. It says keep be mindful of the clock. And I think what that is really trying to tell you about the communication is there are times when you need to meta with your players, when you're not in the narrative of the story, and you just need to pause that clock for just a few. Yeah. And then tap it back to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Let things roll. We're never hard role-playing all the time. There are a lot of times when we'll sit at the table and we'll be like, hey, 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 bring it back together. That wasn't gameplay. That was someone just going on about something that they saw on TV. Yeah, yeah. So keep in mind narrative is what we're in, which we're targeting for for that timer. Mm-hmm. Um, grow through inspiration and action. I think that is a beautiful way of really listening to your players. When they're inspired and moving and taking action, that is when they're growing and when your story is moving. Take that and honor it. Mm-hmm. And it is okay to fail. Yeah. That is that is the seventh principle. Eighth. Um, but that you can fail, and failure is okay. The yeah. game can end in doom, and it was still a great story. Yeah. And honestly, like those those big heroic endings where you try, but maybe you fail, or maybe you know you all just watch the apocalypse happen together as you're all holding hands, you know, mm-hmm. like the ending of Fight Club, you know. Yeah. Or as the storyteller, it didn't work out as well as you'd like. Did you learn? Sure. Great. Accept a failure. Congratulate everybody, and let's move on. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's great. That's a wonderful way to walk away from any story. And that's the beginning of the DM section. Yep. From there, it goes into what do you do before the game? Mm-hmm. How is Doom separate from the players and that it evolves on its own? Omens are side quests that lend to that plot. Motivations of NPCs and faction are important. We talk about this all the time. Yep. Yep. The hook for why your players are there. During the game, you set scenes, adjust the story accordingly. You adjust the story accordingly. You adjust the story accordingly. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple little things. Again, in short paragraphs, that you keep an eye on the doom clock. You don't forget to advance the doomsday clock. When the doomsday clock is nearing its end, you raise the stakes. You make things feel tangible or apparent to them. Mm-hmm. You know, the sky is falling at that point. And after the game, and I, I, I rarely see this in any other system. They don't, don't talk about I don't think I've ever seen this one. Yeah, they talk about the XP and rewards, but no one ever says, congratulate everybody. Just enjoy the ending. Say, like, that was great. Yeah. Have a moment that encapsulates the ending beyond the game for your players. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be about writing out the end of their characters and letting them talk about things. I mean, I, I think this is, uh, for, for me, we usually do this during Wishes and Stars. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the reasons why I, I, I ask, like, did you have fun today? I yeah. mean, I kind of expect everyone to say yes, but I ask it every time anyways. Yeah. Just to Just to give them the opportunity to say, yes, I really had fun tonight. Yeah. You know? 
And I, I, yeah, it's a lot like congratulating everyone and just, just focusing on the cool moment you all just shared together. Yeah. All right. So let's go through our closing thoughts. We're running a little long in the tooth here. Um, what do you think Ark does well? I think it teaches you how to play it well. Yes. I think it's straight to the point. I think it's, um, it gives you great tools, really good DM advice mm-hmm. on a global scale. Not even just for this system. And makes everything simple and easy to read. Like that that DM section goes quick. It's like 20 pages. But at the same time, everything in it is bite-sized, easy to grasp, and quick to move through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think the game as a whole um, is, is well annotated. Like... We t- I talk about, like, when you're looking through most game systems, they give you little snippets of combat or little snippets of social mm-hmm. or how this mechanic works. That's in the appendix. Like, it's full sections explaining the rules sections there, so it doesn't sit in the book in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, There yeah. are little bite-sized clips in the book, but there are full playout sections that talk about each section, each part of those mechanics, which makes that really easy to grasp. Yes, yes, um, and very easy to find, too. Yeah, yeah. And then the game sits in a place that is narrative, but it sits in an interesting kind of tactical sense as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's nearly as tactical as some narrative games, but I do think it sits a little closer to that because it does have those stages, mm-hmm. those those mechanical stages, and it definitely plays harder with the numbers. The, the clicky-clack dice hitting the table have meaning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would I would say it it probably sits somewhere around fate, um, a little okay. a little more tactical than powered by the apocalypse. Yes, but maybe slightly less tactical than fate. It is definitely less esoteric in the way the game moves. Yeah, than powered by the apocalypse. Most of the systems are powered by the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I dare say handles the approach vector better. Uh, for people who have gone from a traditional game like D anD D. Or even Dungeon World, if you yeah. want to go with like an extended, and says, okay, I want to do something like Powered by the Apocalypse, but I, I still have all this clicky-clack rules kind of still stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah. This is a good step in that direction. I think so, yeah. To allow a lot more creativity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I think this is a, a, a great system for uh, for storytellers to look at. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would say, like, even if you're never going to run this game, like, just picking it up and reading it. Oh, yeah. Grabbing it. Definitely. Especially for just the, the DM section. Yeah. To learn about how to run a good game. Yeah. In a simple, like, just keep it around for that. Yeah. Plus, the artwork is beautiful. It's it a is. Treat, treat for the eyes. It is a treat. Um, What do you think Ark doesn't do well? All right. Well, I will be the bad guy here. Um, You're the bad guy. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. Meow. <laughs> um, depending on how, uh, how it's run, I think this game can be very high stress for its players. Um, no. Mm-hmm. Keeping in mind, I say this is depending on how it's run. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a it's a hard rule that this is a stressful game, mm-hmm. but um, I tend to stray away from anything that uses real time as a as a thing. Like you brought up earlier, you had that uh, storyteller who had a concern with a stuttering player. Yeah, um, it's going to make things difficult for them, specifically stressful for them, because they can't communicate as fluidly in the same amount of time as mm-hmm. the other players at the table, mm-hmm. and that's an accessibility concern. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I, I try to shy away from anything that causes accessibility concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
understanding that it can cause accessibility concerns and that you have to pay extra special attention to them, that's a complication. Yeah. Um, there are some people that simply do not like having the sword of Damocles hanging over them while they're trying to make decisions in a t- in a tabletop game. No, I mean, anybody who's already dealing with enough stress in their life doesn't necessarily need that. Mm-hmm. Granted, you don't have to play it as a single four-hour session sure. with a Jenga Tower-style feel to it where, like, you know, cat- catastrophe yeah. is a moment away. And, and, and you know, like, like we said kind of at the beginning, too, is that not every Doom has to be the apocalypse. Right. Sometimes it is literally like, those two should not be married. This wedding is is a disaster. From the beginning. From the yeah. beginning. You know. Um, and or, that's it. It's it's foil my best friend's wedding, you know. <laughs> right. And, and one of the other things that I thought was interesting was, like, they had brought up the whole idea of, like, mobsters. Like, a mobster feel. Where, yeah. like... Where it's like, and all I could think of was like a fantasy version of uh, of Lucky Slevin. Lucky Nurse Slevin? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Where it's just hijinks that leads to an ending that is chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or four right weddings and a funeral. You know, where like, yeah, there's kind of a terrible ending that happens, but you have to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all yeah. these omens that happen and like all of those have stress related to them. But it's never feels like it's death. You just you it's you just know it's coming. You know. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, my my second point is uh, some things are intentionally left vague. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I I personally like this as a storyteller because uh, uh, it allows me some broad interpretation. Like, what do you use the jar of teeth for? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I can come up with probably ten different ideas for you by the end of the night. Yeah. You know. Um. However. I do know that there are some people who don't like that. Mm-hmm. That, like, what do you mean there's no rules for the jar of teeth? Yeah. Why would I spend inventory on a thing that doesn't have rules, doesn't give me a tangible advantage? Well, who's saying it's not giving me a tangible advantage? Well, right, but where are the rules that say what advantage it gives me? I need to be able to calculate that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's those style of tactical players that aren't going to jive well with the system due to its intentional vagaries mm-hmm. to leave story flexibility. Yeah. You know, they they want to know what the numbers are. Um, And then lastly, uh, I think I, t- I talked about this earlier. You know, the art direction of the book can sometimes fool you into thinking this is a much lighter hearted game than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, It's beautiful. It's colorful. It's almost cartoony. Yeah. It is about the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, And Lisa, there's almost no brutality in the art, but there is yes. sort of a Lovecrafty and sort of creepy. Something is off edge mm-hmm. to it um a lot of the art has dual meaning yeah or or multiple meanings like you might like we i looked at a fish and you were like no that's a mermaid with her hands together and it took me a second it's a reverse look. mermaid yeah yeah and i'm like oh my gosh yeah. that's that's weird but it's things like that that you're looking at. it's almost like looking at tarot art a little bit yeah like the game is full like the the book is kind of full of that oh god yeah i didn't re- I didn't even draw that connection. Yes, it's yeah. like looking at a tarot deck. Which yes. at the same time is an impending story. Yeah, yeah. With a fateful ending. Like, that's... It's it's there. It's hidden. Mm-hmm. In a beautiful way. Yep. Like, there's a lot of hidden hidden glory in this book. So. All right, you want to blow through questions real quick? <laughs> real quick, sure. Uh, <laughs> the, the six of them that there are? Yes. Uh, so, Nevim... Uh, open, we'll open with Nevim's. Uh, does the Doom Clock only tick forward? The answer is yes, yes and no. Yes, kind of. Uh, there are techniques that will stop it. That is very dangerous. Yes. Uh, 
and you can ticket back at the end. If you hit the apocalypse, there is an option to either end and just give an epilogue of like what happens. Okay, we lost. Or you continue playing. Okay, the disastrous thing happened. Now what? Or or you rewind time a bit. At a cost. At a, a heavy extreme cost. Extreme cost. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, allies die and crumble to dust. You know, yep. <laughs> things like that. You know, But we're back one tick. Yep. But we got just that little bit more time. And it's, that's cool. That, that right there is a weird, cool concept. That that element of sacrifice that's woven into everything. So yes and no. Um, Is the system based on other systems? Um, No, but there's some inspiration that you can feel. Yeah. And uh, I will say that. Sean, Sean was a little, uh, was uh, one of the ones that brought this up for me yesterday. He said it actually uh, made, uh, felt a little bit like fate accelerated. Um, in that there are, I think, six different approaches, but they f- they have very much the same, um, uh, the same function in there. In fact, two of them are clever and careful. Uh, the concerted one is basically kind of like a you know a mixture of the other ones. So- sorry, Overwatch literally just posted. I don't feel so good, Mister Stark. Oof. Too soon, buddy. Too Oof. soon. <laughs> Oof. That is that is a way to roll it back. That is a way to roll it back. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would say uh, probably its closest neighbor is Fate Accelerated. Okay, it, it, if the, you were to look, I don't think that yeah. that was inspiration, but I would say it's definitely close. But it does, but does also kind of feel like powered by the apocalypse. Oh in, yeah, in, in 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 a lot of ways. Yeah, there there is definitely a lot of, of general feel, but there's a lot of indie games that pull from those things. Um, what type or style of game are you expected to play? Uh, I will say it. Almost it always feels, no matter what you're doing, kind of like a mystery. Because again, you're tr- you're you're coming to an apocalypse, but at the same time, you could very easily uh, roll this in a like a downhill run to something mm-hmm. where it's very obvious what's going to go on, or or a, a a spy type of game where you've got you know. We we know Doctor No is going to be doing something with these with this new data that he just got. He he keeps seeming to be stealing these scientists from varied places. We're not too sure what he's going to end up with, but we need you out there to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. You know those types of things where it's like there's a bit of mystery, there's a bit of intrigue, but at the same time, it comes down to your hook and then that race to the finish. Yeah. So it's yeah. always going to be a race to the finish at some level, or the opposite, like Lucky Number Eleven, or uh, or four weddings at a funeral where you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh god, what's next? Yep. You yep. know, bathtub time machine. Like, <laughs> there's always an end. There's always an end. Uh, is there any advice given in the game uh, that are useful for other games? Um, yeah. Uh, literally the whole thing. Yeah. Literally the whole thing. Yeah. Honestly, there's uh, so many parts of this that you could pull out and functionally use in other places. I I think that the bonds 100% could be transplantable. Mm-hmm. I feel that the uh, the DM section is great. Get it for that. Um, but also just understanding the Doom Clock mechanic. You can apply that without the ticks in the same way, the real-time ticks, and still have it work in other systems for storytelling to help you as a storyteller understand that the plot is moving and that omens set triggers yep. and events are going to occur. Mm-hmm. But that your players need information to get through it. 
to come to those to those moments yeah and that they have to have meaning like that is weird to say here is the opening i have omens this is the the tragedy okay let's how do we get there mm-hmm. and then keep altering your story until you get there that's a lot to try and figure out and to to work through at the same time it's got an excellent framework to get there correct yeah so i say Every piece of this book gives yeah. you some some gift. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so uh, one of our newer Discord members, uh, Medeo Blooms, hello, um, asks, "How does the game fare with analysis, uh, uh, analysis, analysis paralysis, paralysis, or whatever the TTRPG equivalent is? It's still analysis paralysis. Trust me. Um, how does the game fare with that? Uh, I, I mean, again, we we discuss rules over rulings." Mm-hmm. And, you know, making accommodations for, for players at the table, um, uh, uh, you know, precept zero is is to be a human being before and a player second. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if if somebody is having a tough time with the whole Sword of Damocles, you know, hanging over their head, you know, doom clock ticking away in their ear as they're trying to make a decision and such like that, um, I, I you know, relax. Pause the doom clock if people are getting overwhelmed, you know, things like that. Give like, them a break. Give, give, give people a break and stuff like that. But um, I don't think it would be that. I, in this game, you have a lot less of that because, again, you're not set in a situation that they have to analyze heavily. That that and I, I, I really think that the aspect of sacrifice that permeates so many of the rules in this game and the, the the ways that it is meant to be played, the ways that it teaches you it wants to be played, um, lends itself to making hasty decisions mm-hmm. because you don't have time to think about them. Yeah. And so you're going to have moments where characters do things that are brash simply because the apocalypse is looming over their head and they can't think of a better way to go about doing it. They just need to make a decision now so they make sloppy, hasty decisions. And that's where your great sacrifices get made of, you know, moments of moments of stupidity, moments of bravery, moments of self-sacrifice, and moments where you push all your chips in the middle of the table and you go all in because there's not going to be a next game. Goonies. Hmm. The impending doom. The town is being sold out from underneath them. They okay. don't. It it's very much arc doom. There's sacrifice. It's a rush to the finish. There's yeah. you, you've got omens through the whole thing. You're trying to stop something, but again, the direct answer is finding money, right, and solving the problem. But the way that they go about finding the money is the way that the players chose. Sure. So everything else sits there. Mm-hmm. All of the pieces that, that tie it together, you know, the sacrifices, the social sacrifice that Annie makes by not returning to the surface mm-hmm. to stay down with the Goonies. You know, all of it fits within those moments of I have to make a decision right now because we have to keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think Ark Doom and Goonies go along very well. Okay. Okay, Rob. Rob, okay. Okay, Rob. <laughs> so uh, so there's there's a different framework for it that kind of fits that. Because sure. as you were talking to me, I'm like, 
okay, and all these fit very well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Slick shoes? What? Like, like, <laughs> that's a terrible idea. Why would you do that? It's almost as bad as a jar of teeth. Exactly. Kind of is that way. Like, why do you even have that with you? Um, all right, so next, keep going. next question. Uh, uh, does this game just not work with players who take time to make decisions? Uh, I Yes and no. Yes and no. I think it will teach them how to play the game. Yep. Yep. And I think I think that the 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 longer the player takes to make the decision and they and they start realizing that the doom clock does not stop for them. The other players will make decisions and move. Yeah. And they will get dragged along with the current and hopefully they will catch up. Yeah. Um but again, you know, pulse check your players. Mm-hmm. You know, if if they're if the if that is stressing them out of like I just flat out cannot make decisions quickly and this is pissing me off, then you know again, step away, take a break, maybe extend the doom clock, make some adjustments for players, you know whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, maybe it's not just going to be for them again. one session, yeah, one four hour session. Maybe you have to make it two four hour sessions and you extend the yeah. doom to- clock a little bit. Yeah. No big deal. Uh, and then lastly, is the system all beginner friendly? Extraordinarily. Yes. I would love I would love to see this as a beginner game. Yes. Yes, I think absolutely. If, especially because it has just enough rules to hold a storyteller accountable who's never done it before. Yeah. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody can understand that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. No, no, I like it. I like the feeling of it. I I I think that's I think that's a great way of putting it. All right, we have gone one and a half hours. Yes, of our one hour show. Yes, because so. we can. We have mics, and they don't. Yes. So, thank you again, uh, Mamados, for such a wonderful game. Um, and uh, I did message and said, please listen to our show. Uh, <laughs> and we 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 I, I do want to run this, and if I do, I will definitely be messaging and letting you guys know because I'm interested in running a one shot of this. Yeah, so. I can I can definitely think of a couple different ways I want to run a one shot for this. Um, so next week's topic is going to be storyteller red flags. Yes, uh, these are you know all the little hints that maybe you might want to find a different game table or you may want to have a talk with your storyteller at very least. Yeah, and they might sometimes be things that you do. Yeah. That you don't realize yeah. is a red flag. Yep. Um we've seen so many of them on Reddit re- in recent oh, yeah. months. Like my storyteller did this, am I the asshole for thinking yeah, that was stupid so like and people going, "Oh my god, run away quick." Yeah. You know? like, yeah, like it's it sounds like your storyteller's a Nazi. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe the case. Yeah. So, all right, uh, now let me get the real music started. And keep in mind, uh, next week's show is going to be pre-recorded once again, so no live chat, but it will come out on Wednesday uh, as planned. So you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, except for next week, um, on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, join us up on our Discord. We'd love to uh, hear from you, uh, join the discussion, talk about the storytellers up there, and shoot us some questions for the next show. You can find that link on our Twitter, as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who help us every month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We really appreciate your help. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music, Beyond the Warriors, is by Geefrock. You can find that at geefrock.bandcamp.com. Our outro music, which you're hearing right now for the second time, for the second uh, time. is <laughs> Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families. Vicky and Sean, thank you so much for loving and Thank you. 
you. Thank you. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years have given these great stories to share with you, as well as you, every single one of our listeners. We guys, we love you guys so much. We love you. Good night. Good night.